0: Listening to the Daily Gold Podcast, covering precious metals, the junior mining sector, and global capital markets for intelligent investors. Now, here is your host, Jordan Roy Byrne. Hey, everybody, welcome back to the Daily Gold Podcast. Very excited today you know, I always say when it comes to macro and gold and how they intertwine, nobody is better than my next guest. He's Greg Weldon, CEO of Weldon Financial. Uh, Greg, it's great to have you back, but uh, let me, let's do away with the pleasantries and let's just get right into it. You know, I'm looking at the action in gold the last couple of days. I've been talking about 1900 and how that's a very important level on the weekly and monthly charts. And, uh, well, I guess we're uh, close to 1900 right now as we speak, but, uh, You know, nevertheless, I guess as a gold bull and a gold bug, I always try and look at the other side. And I I do have some concern that we could be making an interim peak here in gold. I mean, what's your view on the short-term action? Uh, Tell me where I'm wrong. Well, you might not be wrong, but you might be wrong. And,
1: uh, you know, when you really look at it, it kind of has two different kind of viewpoints that I think are important to take into account. Number one, is the longer-term viewpoint, which is decidedly bullish still, Jordan. All right, so if there is some interim shakeout here, I think it's short-lived and maybe shallow, all right, unless asset markets completely implode, and we're talking 2008, where gold goes down but just by less than everything else. That's always the reality of the risk profile of gold when you're talking about Fed policy, where the consumer is, the economy, how fragile it is. So that's to keep in mind that, you you know, you have asset markets that have run on trillions of dollars, not economic fundamentals, all right? You know, in the U.S., the macro is decidedly negative relative to where it was in 2019. You know, the the, the, the household uh, Fed survey, the, the New York Fed does a household survey that's just phenomenal treasure trove of information. And consumers and households are telling the Fed point blank, all right? Inflation is a problem. People under the median income are getting choked. and that they feel much worse off than they were a year ago, and they feel they're going to be much worse off in a year, to a degree that is equal to those saying better off. Prior to the pandemic, that ratio was 44% to 9%. It's currently 26% to 26%. Okay, So the consumer is telling the Fed we're worse off. So the risk of a You know, uh, a deflation in asset prices based on the Fed trying to tighten policy into what is already kind of looking like a very risky economic scenario as for the U.S. consumer. That's the risk number one. But in the bigger picture, when you talk about the trillions of dollars that have already been printed, when you talk about. The general debasement of the purchasing power of money, which we see now in inflation. It's not coming in the decline in the dollar. It's coming in the rise in prices in dollar terms. All right. So it's very similar, different dynamic, but kind of similar at the end of the game, which is the, you know, your money buys less. Okay. And then when you take it to the nth degree that this is every country in the world, Jordan, this is global. you got Lithuania, Poland, Czech Republic. They're posting double-digit rates of inflation. Food is among the highest running. Right? We've never had a food-at-home U.S. CPI above 6% without a recession except for one time. And that was in 2000, 2001. We had a collapse. Food prices weren't high then. Right? Every other time it's been a recession. You're there now. So... In that context, that is bullish for gold for one reason, and, and this has really kind of just started to play out over the last couple of weeks, which is really exciting to me, because you're seeing it, gold, i.e., appreciate in every paper currency on the planet. All right, That is huge for me. That is very bullish going forward. And I think the gravy train is, is running right now. You know, the train's kind of left the station, and you are going to see gold move to new highs in the short term there is definitely heightened risk here. And it does kind of relate back to Russia. I mean, now Russia has built this huge mountain of reserves and it's like $700 billion worth. So, on. you know, so many years worth of imports they can now cover with their reserves, you know, but theoretically putting those reserves into play would indicate maybe some liquidation of gold. How would that be done through India? However, the mechanism might be, could it weigh on prices? Number one, number two would be, all right. And I've kind of heard this through some back channels of context. I have on Europe. I you know one of the things is trying to put pressure on the oligarchs in Russia to kind of have Putin stand down a little bit on this whole Ukraine situation. All right. We could talk for hours about Ukraine and Russia. We then have to include conversations about China and Taiwan. And we can talk about how bullish all of that is for gold longer term, let alone the new pipeline deals between China and Russia for natural gas and crude oil. All right. Talk about pricing global trade in crude oil in Rimnibi instead of dollars. Jordan. Think about how bullish that is for gold and how bearish that is for the dollar. All these things are lurking out there, and kind of very slowly these pieces of the puzzle are coming together. But in the near term, if you did want to kind of pressure the oligarchs, you take Russia off the SWIFT system, and then all of a sudden, man, you kind of almost manifest, if not slash manipulate, some kind of decline in the price of gold, maybe that's put pressure on those inside of Russia who might be able to get to Putin to kind of put pressure on him. I don't know. That's something I'm hearing in the background. And if that were to play out, yeah, you could crack gold here. Um, I would stop to say, though, I don't think it's a huge bullish open interest. I don't think it's, you know, people are not running around, you know, excuse my French, balls to the walls, bullish on gold, right? They just aren't. Not that I see or not that I hear, right? People are disappointed. It's like, why hasn't gold reacted already? Well, gold hasn't reacted. The dollar's rallying. I mean, it's still going up. It did break the downtrend line It go back to the previous peak. It did get through the first level of resistance. You know, it really, when it cleared 1885, to me, that was pretty bullish. It spiked. It came back. It's still there. So I want to think that this is real. It's going to break out. It has all the bigger picture bullishness that we want it to have, you know. But the risk is heightened here on a short-term basis. Long answer to a short question.
0: <laughs> no, I, I love it, and so do the listeners. Next question: Let's talk about Fed policy because you know, as you noted, you know, we have high inflation, growth concerns. I mean, obviously, the Fed is a favorite whipping boy of people like you and me. But I mean, what the heck are they going to be able to do? Because we got growth coming down, we got the yield curve is diving. I mean, it's. Around zero point forty now, forty bips. Uh and the Fed hasn't even started hiking yet. You got inflation at seven percent. I mean, what the heck can they do? What the heck are they going to do, you know, over the next couple of quarters? Yeah. yeah. Well,
1: I would start that answer with a question that's gonna be rhetorical as you'll see. It's basically like, why has the Fed been so afraid to raise rates one single time from zero during this entire period, where inflation has run up and the labor market is really strong and wages are getting, you know? I mean, you had the opportunity to get some, you know, ammunition back into the into the war chest here, because the the bigger question is, what are they going to do on the back end? Like you kind of started to go there just now, you know, if the economy rolls over, all right? Inflation's high. And guess what? You really have to talk about transitory, because the Fed says transitory. Of course, the Fed means the year-over-year rate. The Fed now year-over-year rate would have been transitory if not for the fact that oil kept going up. And I said this a year ago. The worst-case scenario would be the fourth quarter of last year, and I'm saying this in the first quarter of last year, if energy prices were still going up month-to-month. And that's exactly what happened. So now the base effect has been pushed way back into the fall at the earliest. You have another wave of inflation coming as for the ISM data and the, and the Fed's uh, regional survey data, which clearly tells us that vendors that have held off on increasing prices to basically eaten the margin cost, right, can no longer do that. So it's going to be a pass through to the final sales level. And, you know, uh, you know, people that are at the final sales level firmly believe they can pass that through the consumer. We know the consumer, you know, while you do have a lot of people choking on inflation, at the same time, the psychology has changed from you know, basically 15 years of Internet-driven price discovery for consumers, all right, to I want a secure supply of stuff, because, and I don't care necessarily what I have to pay, all right? So the whole shift psychologically is tectonic. No one really gives that much credence. And then the final thing on transitory is, okay – do we think this means that like sugar is going to go back to nine cents, or soybeans are going to go back to eight dollars, or the crude oil is going to go back to you know twenty-five dollars a barrel? These price hikes, for the most part, particularly at the finished goods area, all right, are are permanent. All right, they're not going to be rolled back for most things, and everything costs more. All right. Now, so far, I've been able to facilitate that having printed trillions and trillions of new dollars. Now they're not going to do that. What happens? I mean, that's. That's kind of scary to me, and when you talk about further polarization of wealth, you see it in inflation because those that make less money are choking to make ends meet. That's why you have record debt uh, creation right now on the behalf of households and consumers. It's off the charts. November was the single largest month in history. All right, If the consumer is so strong, why are they borrowing so much? Because they're not so strong. Savings has virtually disappeared on a monthly annualized basis, you're down to $1.2 trillion, from a peak of $6.6 trillion. People that are on TV saying the consumer in the U.S. is really strong are just missing the boat on this, all right? They really are. And from that perspective, that's where the stock market's overvalued, stretched beyond any kind of geometric, mathematical you know, sense of reality, certainly relative to underlying growth. And that's all a problem, okay? And that poses risk to gold, but at the same time, gosh, Jordan, how many times do central banks find a, some creative way to print new money? And They just do, and they'll keep doing it. And the bottom line is paper money becoming less valuable means that you will see this you know, kind of shift where you, you do see gold going up in all currencies, and that's begun. And to me, that's what really is the telltale thing when I slice all the rest of this down, is that when gold is appreciating in all paper currencies – that's the sweet spot, and right now that is so fundamentally justified. It's not even funny because most every country in the world, you know, had printed a ton of money over the last two years.
0: Okay, Greg, let me give you a scenario. Let's say we do get a pullback here. You know, gold pulls back. You know, we get a sustained pullback for the next couple months. The Fed starts hiking. In that kind of scenario, what is the catalyst? Do you think to get gold, you know, back and breaking above nineteen hundred? Well, I I honestly think it's it's just
1: capital flow. I mean, you know, it, and this is weird because this kind of would also one of the things we had talked about uh, just you and I off cam- off camera, so to speak, was you know the poor performance in some of the equity space. So and that has been really notable, all right. Until most recently, I mean, particularly even in the silver mining shares, just awful price action until the last you know month, six, eight weeks, whatever. So. In a scenario where you know, kind of, really, this pure money flow of you know, store of value into gold takes place on a global basis, that doesn't necessarily mean that the mining shares you know participate to the same degree, and you flip the script in terms of normally you know it's the equities leading the way, and we've seen now you know some experiences in short time frames where that's not even the case when you know metals are going up, you know, so we'll see how that plays out, but I I think. Ultimately, for me, the big catalyst of all is again just this bigger mentality, where you see and now you feel the debasement of the purchasing power of your paper wealth, and you want to protect it, and that still leads to gold. And I, no, I'm here in Palm Beach, Florida. It's you know, it's a lot more ritzy than me. Okay, so it's not you know, but at the same time, you know, I have a lot of friends that have a lot of money and. You know, they they tell me. They feel it. They don't know what it is, but they feel it. And when I try and talk them into, you know, being able to alliterate what they're talking about, um, it kind of does come down to they're afraid that the Fed has run out of bullets, you know. And I did a piece. You started to talk about this in the question, too. I did a piece just last Friday. It's Monday as we're talking. All right. It was called, Is the Fed's White Horse Dead? Because this is the, the white horse that the Fed has ridden to the rescue every time. You can even then play it out against kind of the addict scenario. The white horse used to be something they used to call heroin, right? In this case, I've used monetary steroids and the addiction to monetary steroids that the economy has. And at some point, you look really big and strong and you look like Arnold Schwarzenegger, but your internal organs are failing, right? And you die dead and bloated. And that's kind of where I feel like this whole economic scenario goes. So they feel it. They can't really, like I said, they can't, you know, tell you what exactly it is, but in their gut, these are very instinctive, smart guys that are way more successful when it comes to their own businesses, you know, than I am in terms of the publishing business, per se. But, uh, you know, so I take that, you know, to be great value. When people like that are uncomfortable, when they don't understand why, and then I can basically articulate that for them, and they're like, yeah, exactly, that's why, um, you know, that's what I see in terms of some of the big money is, is a little bit scared, not sure why, but feel they got to do something.
0: Yeah, I just want to follow up on that in capital flows, because at least for me, you know, lo- looking at gold and looking at the last three rate hike cycles, you know, gold would decline right into the hike and then make a very significant low. I mean, the 1999 low, the uh, late 2015 lows, those lows came right when the Fed started those rate hike cycles. And so to me, in the last couple of months, I've been thinking, OK, well, this is this is how this is going to play out. You know, real interest rates are moving higher. The Fed is going to start hiking. We could get some sell-off, and then we could get a major bottom. But, you know, no, I was wrong about that. You know, gold was able to move up and get to 1900. I mean, gold was holding up well even before uh, this uh, Russian invasion into Ukraine. I mean, is that – I mean, did that surprise you a little bit? I mean, is that some evidence that because of capital flows and people are just – at least big money is starting to look at to moving into gold a little bit. I mean, do you have any thoughts on that?
1: I I do, and I don't think that's what it is. I mean, honestly, you hit on a good point, but at the same time, you kind of missed a little bit of the history here because, in fact, okay, real bond yields have not risen. I mean, so that's part of the problem. If you want to say where's the risk in gold, that kind of ties into the Fed risk and that the Fed goes too far and the Fed brings the economy down and therefore everything goes down, including gold. All right. And the risk therein lies, and, and I said this, and it's funny because I don't necessarily think this is as big a risk to gold as everything else. I want to try and separate that because I think the capital flow will take care of that. It's a question of you know, what's the interim time frame? How is there a delay, what does that mean for gold in that delay? I don't know the answers to that question. You know, I will be able to kind of start to figure that out if if and when I see it happen. But what I what I do believe is that because inflation's kept going up, okay, yeah, the two year note yield has risen, all right, and it's actually started to really rise now. So it's up maybe 110, 120 basis points from its lows. Okay. But inflation since that same time frame is up way more than that. All right. Even the two year Fed fund swap is at two seventeen, all right, versus the one fifty five, one sixty two year note. All right, it's still out of whack. All right? And not only that because inflation has risen so much faster than have bond yields, you have like for example the 2-year, okay, it was just just the other day was exactly minus 600 basis points on a real basis. Basically within 50 basis points of the lowest it's ever been, which was only just a few weeks ago. All right? So you haven't seen a rise in real yields yet. And the question then becomes does that, is that the, the, the catalyst to break the back of the stock market once and for all? And I kind of could make this, you really start to turn it upside down, and this is why I love to do what I do every day, because sometimes this is the way it works out, and the people are scratching your heads, and you're like, yeah, well, kind of, we saw this coming, is what if it takes a peak and some retreat in the year-over-year year rate of inflation to start all this, to bring it down to where the stock market really starts to get wasted? That's because real yields are rising. And what if... You're going to have a Fed that's going to you know, suspend the purchases of $1.44 trillion on an annualized basis. At the same time, public borrowing is going to be the, the, the most in history at over $2 trillion means of financing the debt. Public borrowing is over $2 trillion in this current fiscal year. That's a 3500000000000 trillion flip-flop in the, you know, in the debt dynamic, all right? let alone that the interest cost is going up every single day. You know, anytime you're going to have to roll over debt now, most of this debt's at the short end, which is why the Fed has already told the shrinkage will happen more quickly because this stuff's going to roll off more, more quickly. Well, that's all well and good, except, you know, the debt still has to be recycled itself, you know, from the Treasury side. And that's going to cost more and more every time. So there's a debt black hole lurking out there, too. That's a whole other dynamic. And, again, to me, yes, there are downside risks to gold in that scenario, but at the same time, it's a capital flow thing that could be just very bullish. I mean, imagine a small percentage of, of, you know, wealth that's held in stocks and bonds comes into gold. I mean, I think that really kind of outweighs the potential downside risks. It does for me in terms of a risk-reward, you know, equation.
0: Yeah, I guess two two more quick questions. I guess one quick question, you know, we haven't talked about... uh, you know, the technicals, this long-term cup and handle pattern, Greg, I mean, Mm -hmm. give me your thoughts on that. Because for me, I mean, I just, this is such a super bullish setup that uh, when this market starts moving again, I mean, it could really take off. That's at least my interpretation. I mean, you've, you know, you've been in the pits, you've been a trader, you've done this for decades. Tell me about this cup and handle setup and, you know, any thoughts you have on that.
1: I think it's a very small part of a much bigger, you know, technical picture that's played out. And again, it's kind of like people, you know, why doesn't gold perform better? Why doesn't gold perform better? It's like gold has performed like a rock star. You know, you have an ABC correction, okay, that is basically has taken you to the, you know, uh, to the 50% you know, retracement of the long-term secular patterns here. All right? I mean, the the, the long-term macro-monthly chart is so tight. I mean, it's not even funny. And this breakout... Basically defines what would be the next wave to a new high, and the count has you somewhere between say 2670 and uh, 20, uh, 28 and a quarter on gold. So yeah, I love it when the kind of the medium term fits into the secular term. But in this case, the secular term picture is the overriding factor, and it is so bullish that uh, you know I try not to look too much at the shorter term stuff. You know. Because you also don't want to get whipsawed around. I mean it depends. I mean I'm here all the time and I'm a trader, so you know, I can be very proactive. You know, to some of our customers or retired individuals who, you know, you can't be in and out of the market. Some of our customers are, you know, some of the biggest hedge funds in the world and they can follow our lead and be active. But uh I think keeping your eye in the big picture technically it's very bullish here. It really is. The uh the
0: the the question I wanna ask, I don't want to get too cute here. But, um, you know, obviously, you know, watch gold. You know, that's the best leading indicator for gold. But are there some leading indicators that you're watching for gold that could tell us that that maybe this next move, uh, gold gold's going to take off, that that kind of move is imminent? I mean, is it is it gold making a new high against the euro? Is it, um, you know, uh, gold against the stock market? Is it the stock market dropping? Or is it some piece of economic data? I mean, is there – Anything in specific that you look at that could be a leading indicator for this next leg up?
1: Uh, yes. Everything you just said. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not kidding. I mean, to me, uh, if I guess if I had to shake it down as I'm sitting here day by day, what is it I want to always look at to kind of either confirm or refute where we're at? And that is gold in Chinese Rim ninbei. That would be the one thing if I can only watch one thing. That's really key. Because the Renminbi has been the strongest currency, all right? There are times when the Czech has been one of the strongest currencies. There are times when the TideBot has been, not recently for TideBot, recently, yes, for Czech Corona. But, you know, I watch the whole range of currencies. The bottom line is, you know, I I think the Renminbi has been in a bull market against the dollar. It's one of the few currencies the dollar has actually depreciated against over the last, you know, 12 months, all right? Not... The 12-month depreciation right now is not what it was six months ago when it was really pretty severe, actually, when the renminbi was very strong. But gold and renminbi to me would be the one telltale, you know, if if gold and renminbi is appreciating, that probably means gold is appreciating in all currencies is the bottom line. And if you take gold in dollars and gold and renminbi and watch the two of them together, you pretty much have the gambit covered. And if that's if that's breaking out or moving higher or has any kind of, you know, medium-term bullish picture, uh, then that's the trend.
0: Okay, great, Greg. Uh, on that note, uh, it's so great to reconnect with you. Uh, why don't you tell our listeners if they want to follow your work and subscribe, how they can do so?
1: Sure. We do Weldon Live, which is uh, Tuesday through Friday, four days a week, uh, daily publication. Uh, that is available at Weldon Online, W E L D O N uh, online. Uh, and then we do you know run the CTA um, We have a a million-dollar minimum, and that's you know back-engineered to. our risk-reward dynamics, and, you know, we have a very low risk tolerance. And with these contracts today, you know, I mean, you get a $50 move in gold, which, you know, happens sometimes in an hour now. You know, that's $5,000 per futures contract. So, you know, we have to back-engineer everything. And uh, But very successful in terms of the CTA, and we don't normally talk about it. I've never hawked it on your show before because it's very tightly held. But at this point, I feel what's coming here next requires that I help as many people as I can, frankly. I mean, kind of a almost a mission statement like thing, because I I think that the proverbial stuff's going to hit the fan here. And uh, I think that what we do specifically being able to be long and short, paper and stuff, everything being short bonds has been a huge trade this year. All right. Uh, would benefit everybody out there that, you know, has capital and it's risk capital only is qualified investors only. But uh, the CTA also can be uh, found. Just shoot me an email at uh, Greg Weldon at Weldon Online or sales at Weldon Online or through the contact tab at WeldonOnline.com.
0: Okay, Greg. Uh, let's uh, thank you for all that. And uh, it's great to reconnect. And I uh, hope we can do this again in the next couple months.
1: Sir sure, Jordan, you know, you always do a great job. It's nice to hear your voice again, and it's good to be back to some semblance of the new normal, although I think the new normal is going to continue to evolve in ways that no one's yet imagined.
0: Thank you for tuning in to The Daily Gold Podcast. For more interviews, editorials, and analysis, log on to thedailygold.com. And for premium coverage of precious metals and the best junior mining companies, visit thedailygold.com forward slash premium.